2: So I think behind that offensive line, there's not really any weakness there. I mean, you every starting position there, you feel confident and comfortable with. So that's a running back's wet dream. So I think it's going to be Tyron Evans.
3: That's an interesting. That's a very interesting way of putting that. Um, okay, <laughs> the podcast episode. No more talking about what Louisville football. Could be, it's gonna be uh, in in nine weeks, ten weeks. No, we got football on Saturday. Saturday in just a couple of days, Louisville football is going to kick off the season. And if this was an ABC sitcom, this would be the season premiere of From the Pink Seats podcast. I'm the host Jacob Blaine, joined as always by my good friends Matthew McGavick, Vincent Lacoco. Guys, there's so much to talk about. We're gonna have a a great time tonight because for the first time in um, several hundred days. There is a game just a few days away, which means that uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Matt, Vince, how are you guys? It's good to see you.
2: I'm doing great. I, in fact, I'm doing wonderful. You know why? Because I finally have a new laptop. I'm sorry I couldn't make the last episode, but that should no longer be an issue. I've got new fancy laptop now, and I love it. So
4: much faster than my old laptop.
3: Vince, we're outside again, man. It's a good night.
4: This, this is now an outdoors podcast, uh, fishing, hunting, and wildlife. We do that as well. Uh, I'm doing great. Woke up on Monday, walked outside with my coffee. I could just smell it in the air, and it smelled like game week. Uh, and Saturday. Just it can't get here fast enough. It can't, uh, but there is a lot between now
3: and then, including what we're going to get into tonight. We've got uh, the last part. Of our preview. It's funny. I said, there's no more predictions. We're literally going to give you predictions tonight uh, as we wrap up that part of the off season content and give you, our predictions on record have I mean, noticed that nobody besides me has given a win total this year. Okay. I've said it like six times already, but nobody else has given a win total. So we're going to get into predictions. We're going to give out some, some preseason awards, do all of that fun stuff. And then we're going to really dive into this game against Syracuse. Uh, Louisville has got uh, a, a, an opportunity ahead of this of them this year to right the wrongs of the last couple of years. And it starts with a team that they have had their number uh, big time. And so we're going to dive into Syracuse. Uh, we're going to do all of that. And then we're going to introduce a new segment. We teased it on Twitter this week, Uh, but we've got a new member joining the podcast Ian Pfeiffer, former Louisville football tight end, uh, is joining us to be our uh, resident gambling degenerate. Uh, and I did get permission to call him that, uh, because that (laughs) does sound awful. And if you are his bosses or anybody in his life, that's not a derogatory thing.
4: It's, it's a, it's a, He's very responsible. He's a good person. Uh, That's right.
3: It's a token of honor in his name. I guess is kind of what I'm getting at here. But Fife's going to give us the first edition of Fife's Picks this week. Uh, And it's just it's awesome to have more Louisville football people involved with this podcast. Ian has been a great friend of the show. Uh, So getting him on in a different uh, realm here to not only look at Louisville football bets, but across the NCAA landscape each week. We're really excited to do that. Uh, But before we get into the show, guys, uh, we've got some big news, okay? And we t- we teased this a little bit last week, uh, and I-, I danced around saying too much because I wasn't sure, you know what, what? when you're when you're involved in something that you get invited to, you don't want to break the news, you don't want to you don't want to be the one to step on other toes. But I uh, this week I said I'm really surprised that no one has said anything, and and the response was, dude, they've been talking about it all week. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> and so if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, our show is going to kick off the 24-hour marathon for ESPN Louisville here uh, in town on 93.9 The Bill. 24 hours leading up into the Syracuse kickoff on Saturday at 8 p.m. They have given us the microphones. Uh, I'm not sure why, but we are going to go in there, and we are going to have a hell of a time. Uh, Live radio will be changed forever uh, after we leave that studio, but it is going to be a great time. We've got some (laughs) guests that are going to join us. Uh, Spencer Brown, our good friend from the state of Louisville, uh, is going to join uh, uh, join us. He is the producer of the show. Uh, So he is going to be directing us on what to do, but we are going to have two hours of live radio to talk about Syracuse, talk about the offseason, talk about the season, uh, and just dive into the general shenanigans that you can find each week here on From the Pink Seats. Uh, And guys, we got to practice tonight, okay? Our audience, you guys can hold us accountable to this. No cussing. No button ready. (laughs) All right, let's let's real quick on the count of three, let's all get our final cuss words out. Ready? One, two, three. Shit. Bobby Petrino. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the FCC is going to come through and, and immediately shut our our show down at the mention of his name. But no, be sure to tune in Friday night this week, 8 to 10 p.m. You can download the uh, ESPN Louisville 93.9, the, the Ville app there on any of the app stores uh, and be sure to tune into that. I'm really excited to, to get that opportunity. We uh, we give a big thank you to our, our friends over there, Andy Sweeney, for helping us put that together. But uh, going to be a great show Friday night. Let's dive right into it, okay, guys? Predictions, okay? This is always fun. Last year, I don't remember what we did, uh, but what I do know is that it was the one-year anniversary exactly today of this recording that we did the Ole Miss preview last year, which,
4: Oh, that, that yeah, was I ugly, was really. so confident going into that one, too. Yes, I mean, you were, man, you were. I'm going to bring you you some great notes. These guys are going to love it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, Matt and I almost kicked you off after your, your prediction, but uh, we let yeah, you, you
3: thought back. We, and
2: you thought here we are. All this and look what happened.
3: Yeah, here we are a year later. Yeah, you're man, still man. here. Uh, we're very grateful that you're, you've stuck around and endured our horrible non-football playing takes uh, because it's like we're like Charles Barkley, right? You know how every episode of Inside the Team of TNT, they clown him. You never won a championship. Anytime we have a take, Vince is like, "Nope,
4: you didn't play football. You didn't play
3: football. You didn't, <laughs> that didn't is play not football. True. No, it's that not is not play.
0: true."
4: Matt, no, Matt I know. I'm up on this. Whenever, whenever Jacob just brings out slants on every single play, that's that's idiotic. You don't have to play football to know that. Matt. I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking fair. up for you on this one, Vince. That's Thank fair. You.
3: That's fair. But no, we're very excited to celebrate one year of Vince being on the show. But for tonight, we're going to dive into predictions and we're going to track this. At the end of the year, we're going to go back. Uh, we're going to listen to this and we're going to see how we did. So let's just dive into this. And I want to, I want to do this quickly. I, I don't want to spend a bunch of time because we're going to talk. We've talked a, a bunch about each of the players we're going to mention tonight. And we've talked a bunch about their roles, that the, the storylines, all of it. We, I mean, we literally couldn't spew any more off season jargon than what we done with what we've done already. So let's just dive in. Let's start team MVP at the end of the year knowing what you know about what you're going to predict for their record when we get to the end of this, who is the team MVP? I think we all will probably agree on the answer, but Matt, I will let you go first. Rapid fire. Who you got? I'm going to go Luke Kendra. No, just kidding. I think all,
1: I hope
4: Luke comes in one game this year. It just is in, is,
1: oh no, I got
3: to
4: win the game. And I'm going to text Matt and say, did you see that? Yeah, that was Luke Kandra that did that right there. That, I cussed. All right, I'm docked. Put five bucks in the,
3: cuss, in the cuss jar. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that is a fine for me, $5 towards the general beer fund that we'll enjoy. But anyways,
2: all things seriously. I mean, it's going to – barring some sort of shift in the offense or an injury, it's going to be Malik Cunningham. I mean, he was a passing touchdown away from putting up a 2020 season. He was, I think, 14th in all of FBS and total yards per game. And by all accounts, he's gotten better as a pocket passer. He still has his ability with his legs, and we've heard plenty of the coaches, you know, praise his his uh, increase in leadership, and maturity. I mean, if it's if the MVP isn't Malik Cunningham, something either went horribly wrong with him, or someone else on the team had a bonkers year.
3: Yeah, I think the only other guy. Uh, before I say that, Matt, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Vince, I. So yeah, I, yeah, I was all yeah,
4: that you could uh, group together would be your offensive line. And if your offensive line's your MVP, generally you're gonna have a good year because you're getting good pass protection and good run game, you're getting a good push. That'd be the only thing you can make an argument outside of Malik Cunningham. Yes. Yeah.
3: Uh, the other thing that you could say is that in 2019, the team MVP was definitely Javian Hawkins, right? I think we could all agree with that. Vince, you actually might have a different take on that. I don't know. Uh, uh, we don't need I'm to dive bad. into that now. Okay, that, that's fair. Very fair. Uh, yeah. I think the only other scenario this year is that uh, it is um, – God, I just lost my train of thought. It is Tyon Evans. That's the only other person I think that at the end of the year, realistically, we could look back and say MVP. I'm in an agreement. It's Malik Cunningham for all the reasons you've listed. Offensive MVP. Let's try to go non-Malik Cunningham here, okay? I know that that's uh, technically at the end of the year, we could say it was Malik, it was Malik, whatever. But let's try to not go Malik here. I will go first. I am going to go. Um, this is a really tough one. But what I'm going to do is agree with, with Vince here, and it's funny you bring that up, I'm going to go with Caleb Chandler. I think Caleb Chandler is going to be the dominant force of this team, and there's no box score for offensive linemen. We can't see, it's not like Madden where you can see your pancakes and you can see, you know, all of the sacks that you gave up. They don't track that on the ESPN box I mean, box for the O-line, there's PFF, but that's really it. That's right. That's right. But we've seen what they do with Louisville alignment in the past. I don't need to go further into that. You guys yep. probably, it, it, you know, if you know, you know. Um, but I think Caleb Chandler is going to be at the end of the year. We talk about this team, and you're like, man, look what whatever Tyon Evans did, whatever Malik Cunningham did. It was because they had that wall of protection on the left side of the offense uh, behind Caleb Chandler. Matt, what do you think? I
2: I think it's Tyon Evans. I kind of went back and forth on this because there's there's a lot of guys who can make a, you can make a case for, but at least heading into a season when I know basing a lot of my uh, pick on the on the depth chart is probably flawed. But if you look at wide receiver, there's a lot of oars. If you look at the backups at running back, there's oars aplenty. The only person outside of Tyler Hudson, like when when you talk about offensive skill positions, that seem to have a starting position on lock is Tyon Evans. And ever since Evans made it to campus, Satterfield and Darrell Sims and everyone on offense has raved about him. And he looks damn good at Tennessee. I mean, he was their leading rusher until he had that ankle injury and he was forced to sit out the rest of the season. I mean, if he doesn't have the injury, he's probably in the NFL right now instead of at Louisville. So I think behind that offensive line, there's not really any weakness there. I mean, you. Every starting position there you feel confident and comfortable with. So that's a running
3: back's wet dream. So I think it's going to be Tyron Evans. That's an interesting – that's a very interesting way of putting that. Um, Okay. Podcast episode. (laughs) Vince, what do you you got here for offensive MVP? I'm going to
4: go Amari Huggins-Burris. My reason why that is because I think he can be a – 1,000-yard uh, receiver, a lot like Tutu was uh, for us in 2019. Uh, Mari's a receiver that can take the top off of the defense, and I think he's going to slide into that big shot, big play role for us uh, very nicely this year. If not him, then Braden Smith will slide into that role very well. So I- I'm going to go with Amari. All right. I like that. Defensive MVP. We'll, we'll uh, switch sides
3: of the ball here. I'll go first. Uh, You guys know the answer to this. I think it's very consistent. Uh, Yasir Abdullah for me. I think he's going to lead the team in sacks. I think he's going to uh, kind of put himself into that upper echelon of pass rushers that Louisville's had over the last decade and a half. I mean, there's been a ton of guys, Lorenzo Malden, Marcus Smith, uh, you know deantre's mount you could go on and on of guys james hearns deontay fields guys who have been able to genuinely get after the to trayvon young i could i could do this for two hours just keep naming pass rushers uh, i think that yasir Abdullah is better than every single one of them okay i'm going to be straight up with you i think he's the best pass rusher we have seen since I, I don't know no, that don't it might be so. it might it might be but I'd have to go back and look at some of the names that have been drafted in the early 2000s to kind of make sure that that take is holds up. But you see here last year, just listening to other defensive linemen describe his get off and things like that. um, There's no stopping that he's and I have improved in a lot of other areas of his game where he's going to have to show the NFL that he can do it. I'm going to take him to have a big year. I think he's going to have a couple of interceptions. He's going to lead the team in sacks. Gonna have a ton of tackles for loss. That's gonna be his big improvement of the year. Maybe a forced fumble, fumble recovery, things like that. I'm gonna go use Abdul. Abdullah. Matt, what do you got? I mean, yeah, it's just your Abdullah. I mean, there's a couple guys who could contend for you. 17 and a
2: half TFLs, 10 sacks, and he, by all accounts, from what we've heard over the offseason, he's only just gotten better and he's bulked up. I think he's around 240 or 242. The last time I looked at the depth chart. So he's He's A monster, he. If he doesn't break double digit sacks and TFLs, he's probably hurt.
3: Playing
4: us out yep, here, we got
3: those. With yep, <laughs> uh, great, 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 great <laughs> all right, job. let's move on. Offensive best newcomer <laughs> can be a transfer or a freshman, Tyler Hudson. I think that's the obvious answer here for for the offense, Tyler Hudson. What do you got, Matt?
4: I'm going, I'm, I'm going, oh, go, go ahead. No, 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 no ahead,
3: I, I keep going to Matt automatically.
4: Matt, you can I'm go. Going tie, you got, I'm Vince? going, I'm going, Tyon. I mean, Tyon. We oh, run, you, is, yeah, that's not – you're right. I yeah, made it sound I mean, was super easy, yeah. This is a, a run first offense. I mean, you guys got to remember that. And if, you know, that's notorious for feeding the hot hand. And mm-hmm. if Tyon's a starting running back, he's going to get the first shot. So, I mean, if he's hot, then – I mean, first two plays, the Syracuse last year, Jalen Mitchell had 62 yards – 67 yards. So, I mean, that's that sounds so like cool. a pretty hot hand to me. So, I feel
3: I feel, I feel good, good with Tyon. that. What do you got, Matt? Yeah, no, it's Evans.
4: I mean, like Vince was saying, I mean, it
2: could be it could be Hudson. I mean, we've heard that nothing but great things, but I think just like I said earlier running behind that line, given the amount of talent he has, the speed, the
3: power, the athleticism it's Evans. Yeah, they they need Hudson more than they need Evans, though, in my opinion, in terms of uh, production and workload. So uh, on the other side of the ball, defense the best newcomer. It, this is a toss-up. You could really go a number of different ways here. So you could go MJ Griffin. You could go Quincy Riley, Jarvis Brownlee. You could go Jermaine Lole. I'm going to go with Jermaine Lole. I know he's been injured. I know that it's been a year and a half since he's played impactful football. Um, uh, the, the, the news that he's kind of second string to does tell it is a little bit shocking and it does feel a little bit like Jacques Turner last year. Uh, Jacques Turner, Jaquez Turner. I'm not sure we remember how to pronounce his name the right way. It, it does, though. It does feel a little bit like it because we thought he won better. the depth drive. I know, I know. But it's. remember the comparison I gave you? He hasn't played football in almost two years. I know, but that, that, same thing.
2: that he had an injury to start fall camp, so that's why. That's and fair. And that's from, fair. And it was but, separate from the one that made him sit out the entire season
3: last year. Uh, I'm going to go with him. I think that when you talk about what Louisville needs most, it's somebody who can push an offensive line, get penetration, stop the run. First and foremost, but also be able on third down to generate pass rush when they do rush just three guys or four guys. Um, you need somebody who can be a one-on-one pass rush winner uh, in the middle of the field. We've talked about Monty being able to to get behind Jermaine Lolay and find these holes that have not been there in the past. You talk about the other guys on the defense, Momo, that can do that as well. Jermaine Lolay gives them the best nose tackle that Scott Satterfield has ever coached in his career. I know Myquan Stout was a. a, a fringe NFL player but I think he's the best nose tackle defensive tackle he's had and because of that I think the defense is going to be significantly better what do you got
2: I I want to say Lola but I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball I'm going to go with Momo Sinogo because interesting when you think of the middle linebacker position that's pretty much the quarterback of the defense we've heard that cliche on and on one of the first things people say when you ask them, like, what's the first thing that comes to mind when mentioned mention Snogo It's not his play. I mean, that's partially because he was injured the last couple of years, but it's his leadership. It's, it's, a, it's how much of a vocal leader he is. I mean, this dude was voted a captain, and he's a transfer from Ole Miss. Like, this is his first, this is going to be his first game playing for Louisville when they play Syracuse this weekend, and he was voted a captain. And plus... Given his background, he's he's got talent and ability. I mean, Monty Montgomery said himself earlier in fall camp that Momo's more physical than he is, and Monty's going to be the one that's going to be picking up run support more often. So I think combined with the experience that he has playing in the SEC, combined with his leadership and kind of be able to help be that bridge from Brian Brown and Wes McGriff on the sideline to help get people kind of organized, I think he's going to be a little bit of a catalyst to help things get going defensively.
4: Ooh, if we could get a oh Matt, that just sounded beautiful. Just like a almost like a, having a third coach out there. I mean, CJ was great with that. <laughs> CJ CJ was great with that, but he just could never like vocalize it very well. You guys, you you guys could probably see that with him throughout the game. I mean, I thought Momo was gonna go out there and be very vocal, but what what's the Florida State kid's name? Jarvis uh, Brownlee. Dar- Jarvis Brownlee. Okay, so I like that kid a lot. And I think he can be a lockdown corner. That's who I'm going to go for the defensive breakout player, uh, mainly because we've seen Chandler in the past. I I want him to do well. I want him to do extremely well. But judging off past film, you know, we might run into that scenario where somebody is taking his spot, and I think he has the full capability to do that. And it would be awesome to feel very comfortable going man, uh, you know, going man coverage on that outside, you know, with. Trey Clark already over there. So I think we could just get another lockdown corner. That would be awesome. So well, nobody's throwing for three, 400 yards on us. If
3: that's the case, and we'll move on quickly here. Uh, Scott Satterfield in his press conference this week at the media said that Quincy Riley has had some of the best ball skills in camp that he's seen. So that you're talking about three guys who yeah. are potentially lockdown corners, and that is not the, the case that Louisville's had.
2: I think the one thing with Brownlee, though, is that he is extremely aggressive, which you want, but he is – Like just watching some of his film from FSU last year, he's very boomer bust. Yeah, he
4: he's either going to get you that not like Diggs or that interception that you that you need. He's a lot like Diggs. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Where he's, I mean, he's going for. I mean, and personally, I it's going to bite you in the ass eventually. But I like a guy like that, somebody that's going to go after the. You need to take risks at some point. That's true, but you know, it's just learning that happy medium in between all that. Yeah, hopefully, you know. I think Brian Brown can coach that into him. We'll see. Who knows? Could be wrong. I was wrong on a lot of my uh, predictions for Louisville last season. So, All right, quickly, we're going to jump
3: down here. I'm going to skip a couple of these. Let's jump into our one bold prediction. Again, I'm going to go first here. Uh, and this is this is a take, okay? This is bold predictions for a reason. I don't know if this is going to impact any winning of any kind, but I have a prediction that during the season, throughout the 13 games that Louisville is going to play this year, Jawar Jordan is going to rush for a touchdown. He is going to catch a touchdown. He is going to run for a punt return, a kick return, and the curveball is that he is going to throw a touchdown. Okay? Does he have quarterback experience? I don't know. I don't know, but it's bold predictions for a reason, Okay. You know, when I mean, you get the, guys the going like that, I can you, just, see easily. you just never know. Right. The other one feels easy. That's not bold, Matt. Remember, you taught us. You are our main our, yeah, about go bull
4: next our, our a resident bold predictor yes. steps <laughs> <in>. oh, <man. laughs> There you go. I didn't think I'd cause such a kerfuffle <laughs> when I put that piece out. I, I'm going Malik Cunningham, Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner. Not just going. Not just going. Malik Cunningham going and winning, becoming Louisville's second Heisman Trophy winner. Number three going up in the Raptors eventually. That's I cannot wait
3: to hear your prediction for the record, if that's the case. That's
4: going to be fun here in a few
3: seconds. Right. All right, Matt. Resident bold predictor. What do you got? Nothing I might, as well, just, I
2: might as well just rehash those three bold predictions. These are my three. Okay, Number one, kind of what Vince said. I say he'd be a Heisman finalist, which, I mean, you could see. Yep. <laughs> Number two is the one that really got people going. That uh, Yasir would set Louisville's single-season sack record, which is 20. <laughs> and then my third was Louisville would win two out of their last three games. And that's Clemson, a good one. That's a good At one. Clemson versus NC State at home and at Kentucky.
3: That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, what do you got, Vince? What's the record for the year? I'm going to start with you, Matt. What do you have? I'm, I'm going – eight and four i think they win the games they should
2: they might fall for a trap game but i think this is finally the year where satterfield and louisville beats one maybe two teams that they maybe shouldn't win against like a wake forest i don't know about a pit maybe nc state i think when i wrote my official prediction that they would lose to Pick Clemson, Kentucky, and I can't remember who the fourth one was, but I'm, I had them beating Wake Forest, and this was before Sam Hartman was going to be out. So I just only am more confident about that, even though we don't have, really have a timetable on that. And I also had them beating NC State at home because they had them on the ropes heading into the fourth quarter, and if they improve in their ability to not piss down their leg in second halves, I mean, they win that game. And that yeah. was on the road in Raleigh. And they're coming to Louisville this time, so I, I have faith in them. And NC State, I mean, something bad always happens to them. But, I mean, that's just their program. So brand. I, mean, I, know, yeah. I don't want to base my predictions too deeply in superstition, but I'm going to go with
4: uh, eight and four. Vince? I'm going to go with nine and three. A little bit more. I, I was thinking ten wins. I think they'll get that tenth in the bowl game. Uh, which three they drop. I'm with Matt, and I sounded like Jacob was two, Is I think we'll actually win uh, two of the last three. We could have a potential to win two out of the last three. Uh, so where those – I'm not sure where the losses come because I don't think we'll drop the last three, and that seems to be where everybody thinks yeah. we'll lose games. It's NC State, Clemson, and UK. Uh, but I think we beat Kentucky this year. That's a subject for another day.
3: That's a good bold prediction too. I mean, or, or even just a prediction in general, I think that's a good one. I'm going to agree with you, uh, which I thought you were going to go with like 11 and one um, and that I was going to have to just follow up with that. But if
4: you thought I didn't have it written down. You're crazy. <laughs> I think that you had to convince
3: yourself out of 11. and yes, one. Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go with nine and three. Uh, and in one of my, predictions for the year is I think Louisville is going to start the year eight and one and their one loss is going to come from uh, Pittsburgh, which would be a home loss, which is kind of interesting. That would mean that Louisville would win a couple of big road games there against Virginia, Boston college, Syracuse, UCF. Uh, But looking at their schedule, the way it plays out is it really sets up those final three games. And I think that Louisville is going to at least get one of the three. I don't know if they'll get two of the three per se, but I, I just think that, that they're going to, they're going to kind of knock off some of the things that have uh, been barriers for them the last couple of years. And whether that's Clemson, obviously we know of how that ended last year, whether that's Kentucky, we know how that's gone the last couple of years, or whether that's NC State, a team that last year they led by what 14 points in the first half. Um, So Louisville is going to uh, be able to I, I, I just I, I don't know who I don't know I don't know I'm gonna pick Kentucky's a loss until I see differently just because I'm I just don't know how else to feel about that but I think that for sure they lose to Pittsburgh and then the toss-up at the end of the year wh- whichever of those that they lose is I would say, okay, that makes sense. Uh, Ideally for me, I would prefer, and this may be a hot take, I want the Clemson game more than I want the Kentucky game. Mm -hmm. I want to beat the top team in the conference because I want to go and potentially compete for the conference title. Yes, it sucks that we lose to Kentucky, but Uh, look. Here's my thing, Vince. Our measuring stick as a football program is not Kentucky. It's not Kentucky. Our measuring stick as a football program is Clemson, okay? That's the king of the ACC. I'm not saying it's not. That's why that game, to me, we've been so close so many times. Um, whether it's 2016, we obviously know what happens there. Uh, last year, we know what happened. We know what happened in 2015. All of those games were one possession games where we were knocking on the door of getting that, that first victory over Clemson. I think this year with Malik as the senior leader of this team, all these guys have played them now four or five times, some of them six times. I think this is the year that they get that victory. At Death Valley, though, that's going to be tough. We almost did it before. And look, if we combine our predictions here, Vince has got a Heisman Trophy winner, right? You're talking about, <laughs> uh, you're talking about, um, you know, Louisville winning nine, 10 games. I mean, they go and they win games that, that, that are tough games, right? That's yeah. That's got yeah. to be what they got to do. Like, what, what did Monty say? It's time to drop the nuts, man. Go beat a team that no one gives you any confidence – or no one believes that you can beat. That's where I'm at this year. And I think for me, that team is most likely Clemson. Give me Clemson and Kentucky, and we're partying somewhere in Louisville and shutting all the bars down, man. Shutting all the bars down if that happens. We're going to Bambi Walk. All right, what we're going to do here is transition into our first edition of Fives Picks. We're going to bring in Ian Pfeiffer, former little football tight end, to give us his picks uh, across the college football landscape. And then we will dive into the Syracuse football game. We will be right back. Let's jump into a new segment here that we are debuting for the 2022 season. We are really excited about this. We, t- we teased this a little bit and then we got off the air and our people talked to his people and we made it happen. So I said recurring guests last week. I almost spoke that into existence. Joining us tonight for the debut of Fife's Picks, in Pfeiffer, our new gambling uh, degenerate. On our show, I mean, is it okay <laughs> if I use that term? Is that a derogatory term? Is that something no? That we- I I accept I mean, it. You know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this season, Ian is going to serve as our football betting aficionado. Each week, we're going to go to Ian for the, the picks that you should make, the picks that you shouldn't make. I'm really excited about this because, to be quite honest with you, I don't know where you guys are in terms of sports gambling. Um, my, my knowledge of it is about that of a five-year-old. Okay. I've had one, I hit a parlay about four years ago and won about $600 and it's the coolest thing I've ever done. And ever since then, I thought I'd be the best gambler. And ever ever since then, I've not won anything. I'm excited for this and I'm hoping that maybe this will get me into gambling a little bit. My wife might think otherwise, uh, but here we go. (laughs) So let's just dive right into this. All right. And you brought your picks. Um, We talked a little bit about this earlier, but you brought your picks and what you're going to do for us tonight. And I'm going to get this pulled up here. What you brought for us is your best bets, your dog of the week and a money line parlay for some, some really good odds. So let's go ahead and dive right into that and give us your best bets of the week.
5: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fortunate. You guys are letting me back on here. I'm glad our people could work out the contract and Vince. I I appreciate the guaranteed money. Um, It was
4: a tough negotiation.
5: Yeah. it, It goes a long way. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I just want to start out with. Uh, I know Kentucky. I don't think it's legal there right now for like mm-hmm. any uh, like FanDuel or Caesars or any of that. But no, nope, but I it's a quick know, drive across uh, the
3: river, though. I'm sure. Oh, you good know. point. Good yeah. point.
5: Yeah, we, we were there quite often. I'll tell you that.
3: <laughs> um, uh, at some point this season, I'm going to need some stories from the casino. I think that's oh, going to yeah, be a mandatory sure. part of your appearance fee.
5: If if you if you want to know who a bigger DJ than me is, uh, we'll get Cole Bentley on this call. Oh my god. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> um, but so so all the odds that I'm using today are, are courtesy of Bovada, because I know Bovada works in Kentucky. Um you know, it's, it's offshore, gray area, still works, legal, who knows. But uh so uh, I'll, I'll we are not attorneys.
3: A... Let me make sure I preface that we are not attorneys here. No, you, you we're not to...
5: attorneys, nor is this financial advice. There we go. We're not our financial advisors. The right. Uh, the, the first two games, uh, I, I want to just tell people to stay away from no matter how good they look. Uh, the, the first is being Houston, uh, Houston on the road playing uh, UTSA. They're a ranked opponent. You know, you think they should win. UTSA is coming off a 10 and two year. Uh, you never know week one how good these teams are going to perform like they did last year. But I do think that is a trap game. The second being uh, Utah on the road. I, I really do think Utah is probably the best team in the Pac-12. Um, but again, when you're playing at Florida, Um, I was fortunate to do that a couple of times when you're playing at Florida um, in the swamp, you know, there's, there's nothing guaranteed. Obviously Utah is the better team, um, but you, you just don't know with them. So I just advise to stay away from that.
3: And and it's interesting Um, because Anthony Richardson's a guy that's been in the top 20, top 15 mock drafts. And he played what, like three or four games last year. I don't follow Florida, but I remember he didn't play a ton last year if I'm not mistaken.
5: Yeah, they, they split reps, him and Emory Jones. Uh, they split reps for a bit. Uh, Emory has since left the program. But Anthony Richards, I think there was a video this summer of him throwing, like, 80 yards on a frozen rope. So you just never know with an athlete like that. They're they're comparing him to Cam Newton. I mean, just the athleticism. So, like, wow, you just never know brand. with an athlete like that. Oh, yeah. Just the arm, the size. I mean, he's 6'6", 250, so...
4: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm anxious to see what kind of offense they're going to be running there. I mean, with uh, Napier coming in as the new coach, it's kind of, you know, like Seth making that jump going from App State to Louisville. Napier's yep. making that jump going to Florida, and it's even more magnified with the SEC.
5: Yep. And, I mean, he's got better athletes to do it now. So the first game I'll start out with. Uh, I'm actually going to it, so this could be a little biased, but I'm going to the Arkansas-Cincy game this weekend. Okay. Um, I'm rocking with Arkansas minus six and a half. Um, at home, um, I think that Cincinnati lost too much production from last year. Um, obviously, quarterback, receiver. Uh, you had a rush DN that got drafted. Two DBs, everyone knows Sauce. And then uh, I forget the other guy's name on the on the Chiefs. Uh, played safety, but yeah, I just think they're losing way too much. And I, I, I really do think KJ Jefferson quarterback at Arkansas is, is a real uh dark horse for Heisman. um You know, I've got three of them. I've got KJ, I've got Hinton Hooker, and I've got Malik. I think all those three dudes are, are dark horses for Heisman's this year, but just to kind of get into a little bit of the numbers. So, so at home, um Arkansas is six, no straight up the last six games. So I really do think they, they do well at home. Um and then week one, they're six to no against the spread. Um, so you know, this is a this is a good team at home. They they get up behind their their home crowd. And I love Sam Pittman. Um, you know, he I was fortunate to meet him through the recruiting process. Um, he's just a great dude. And I really do think those guys are gonna play well for him.
4: You you're hearing a lot of noise. Uh From people, I was listening to Barstow podcast the other day, and they were going back and forth on Arkansas. Uh, One side's over here, like Arkansas, they win a couple games, and here they, you know, here they are, they get back at everything. But I kind of, I'm on your side. It's I think they're buying into the coaching staff and the people they have there, and I think they're starting to, you know, get that really uh, cream of the crop SEC talent.
5: Yeah, and this is like the third year in a row that they have like the number one strength of schedule in the country. Like they just play ridiculous out of conference games. um Ever since Chad Morris left, he was probably the worst hired in history. You guys know that. <laughs> um, But I mean, they've got Cincinnati this year or they've got Cincinnati. They got BYU. I mean, they play the likes of Bama, A&M, LSU in like the middle of the season. So that's kind of when things get out of hand for them. Like when people jump off the Arkansas bandwagon is when they run into those SEC opponents all in a row. But I'm I'm high on them this year. I think at home they, they should get it done. The second game I wanted to talk about was uh, Fau. So we, we got to watch them last week. Um, I'm I'm really high on this guy just because uh, he he was uh, close close to us in our conference. Uh, but Nkosi Perry um, at quarterback, I, I think he's he's going That's like a perfect fit for him. He his career didn't work out too well at Miami, but Fau.
1: What?
3: against Perfect. you all he looked he looked all right against you all not- <laughs> well, hey, i don't know hey no i i agree
5: i agree but so he 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 escaped all of the the Miami drama and now he's just playing ball um him and willie taggart i think that you know their offense offense is going to be clicking you saw it last week i think they put up like 40 40 some points 43 points it was um defense performed well Ohio is one of those teams that you know they're just like they're gonna beat who they should, and then they lose to the teams that they should as well. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 high on FAU minus four and a half. I'm giving I'm laying all the points.
4: That's a just a traditional Taggart team, you know. I, he I know things didn't work out well for him at FSU, but you know Western Kentucky, uh, Oregon, that just somebody that puts up a lot of points. Love going fast. I would have hate hated to run their scout team during practice.
5: I'm staying, I'm going in the ACC to NC state and ECU um, going over 51 and a half points. Um, both of these offenses can, can freaking dial it up. Um, if, if you look at NC state later in the season, um, obviously they're ranked, they're ranked now. Um, offense is great. I, I definitely, that's going to be, that's going to be a tough team in the ACC to beat, but uh, EC, ECU is pretty good on offense themselves. Um, and I can see this game being like 38 to 24. Um, if we're looking at the numbers, uh, nine of the last 12 games of NC State's have gone over, uh, so it's pretty simple. Um, going over 51 and a half for NC State. Hammer the over. <laughs> yeah, lo- lots of points, lots of points. All right, you guys, you guys are gonna really like this one. There's a there's absolutely no math or no sense behind it. I just okay. really like it we're going uh, to <laughs> we're taking rice plus 32 and a half okay who are we against against who against the trojans uh, southern cal wow
2: Ooh, okay okay southern See, I... yep let's well, um, that that's certainly a choice <laughs> it's it's it's
5: a it's a gut feeling i, I just so Last year, okay, uh, um, Rice comes to Arkansas. Rice is winning at half, okay? Arkansas comes back and pulls it off, pulls off the win. But Mike Bloomgren, or Bloomgren, I think is how you say his name. But, I mean, he was a coach at Stanford before uh, Rice, and he he's met that team many times. I think he knows how to play him. I think it's going to be a dogfight early. I say dogfight, and I mean Rice is just going to try and control <laughs> possession, get first downs. Um. But, yeah, I just think 33 points is too many um, to, to get to cover. Um, you know, I, I could see it being like, I don't know, 42-14, something
3: like that. Um, do uh, Do any of you all know what the score of uh, Oklahoma season opener was last year? Fun little quiz for you. Do, do any of you know?
4: Who, I don't know. Who,
3: they played uh, uh, Tulane, didn't they? They did, and it was 40-35, to 35, okay? So I'm I'm with you, Fife. I'm with you. Yeah. I, I mean, so, look, I, I don't know. I'd have to go back a couple of years, but Tulane, oh, I, and I remember that game was uh, – Yeah, I, I remember tuning in because Tulane had them on the ropes. For all, long,
2: all
5: the way to the very end. All the way to the very end. That's an interesting one that you bring up, uh, OU, um, because OU, I think the year before, they opened up as 30 – Point favorites against army and they won by a touchdown it was about uh 28 to 21 i think and then last year they opened up 30 point favorites against tulane and one by five so they open up uh 30 point favorites against utep this year so do with what you will uh, <laughs> with, with that information but okay. like you like like you said uh i i do think that's going to be kind of kind of the game you're gonna, i mean you're Le- Lincoln
3: see. could he could have been out there living his la life man you know sometimes that transition from from norman Oklahoma to la rice baby plus 32 and a half <laughs>
1: <Thank you. laughs>
3: okay.
2: okay
5: all right guys and uh final pick i think you guys know what you
3: you all know what this is gonna be i sure do and i'm gonna tell you you go and you you bet the house on this one yeah
5: i, I i'm telling you i'm um, paydays tomorrow and i could be more happier. Uh. Okay, because <laughs> full disclosure, full paycheck may be going on it. I'm just kidding. I'm that's uh, a joke. But Louisville <laughs> minus four and a half. Okay. Um, everyone knows the last two years what the combined score of these games were. I mean, what 71 like to 70, three, 71 to three, 71 to three. Vince, Vince knows when, when we played Syracuse, it was a freaking blast. I mean, I remember in, yep. in 20 was it 2020 was, was that the year we beat, we beat them 30 to zero. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that was it. You, you get up to play Syracuse. Their DNs are small. I mean, they're like six, 240 pounds. Like they're small, you know, like we, we were talking last week about the, the, the tall sweep or the stretch. That was always fun. I could always outrun their DNs and reach safeties. I mean, Playing Syracuse is fun. Um, just talking to the guys, uh, you know. I, I just think they're going to be too much in the run game. I think Louisville is just going to run so
2: much on them, so
3: much, dude, so much. Yes, I'm right and there and with they, you.
2: Their defensive line is small this year too. I was looking at their depth chart and I'm thinking there's no way a Power it's, Five school had a D line this
5: small. I, it, it blows my mind how they don't recruit size on the D line. Like, like both like both years. I mean, they've just been tiny. And I love – our love our O-line, the experience of our O-line, the size. Like, I just think they're going to demolish them. Um, I mean, Louisville is 8-2 against the spread um, against Syracuse the last 10, 10 games they've played. 8-2 straight up, 8-2 against the spread. Um, you know, I, I, I saw earlier Stanford Steve picked uh, Louisville. Like, that was his wagon of the week was, was Louisville on the road. Um and I'm, I mean, of course, we're all going to agree, you know. Yeah. Um,
3: so, so it's not financial advice, but uh, what I'm hearing five say here is you bet your paycheck, and you're good to go. Bet your paycheck yeah. on, on the line, and you're good to go. If but to but not financial advice. Yep.
5: You you heard it. You heard it there. That's right. All right. Keith, um, what we got next? We all right. Dog, dog of the week. Um, I'm going to go Illinois on the road. Money line. They're at a plus one ten right now. Ah, uh, you could take the points at two plus two, but that's no fun. Just take the plus money. Um, this one hits close to home. Um, their offense coordinator was actually my offense coordinator in high school, uh, Barry Lonnie Jr. Um, he went to Arkansas. Well, he was the tight ends coach for a bit, and then he went to UTSA last year when they went ten and two. Uh, so he was he was calling those plays. Uh, last week, uh, I th- I think they looked really well against. You could say it was like a, you know, a depleted Wyoming team. But um, to be honest, I-, I like Tommy DeVito. I like Tommy DeVito playing quarterback f- for them. Um, he was really good my first year
2: at uh, at Louisville.
5: Um, but obviously,
2: I'm laughing about Tommy DeVito because I remember a quote he had after that uh, Wyoming game about how he was like, "This is the first time in a while that I've actually." Not taking a hit in a game.
4: <laughs>
5: yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, he, he would get smacked around at Syracuse for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, it's it's pretty simple like that. I think um, Indiana, Tom Allen, he's been a coach for like six years, and they've had two winning, two winning seasons. They've lost every single bowl game they've played in. I think it's been uh, three bowl games. Um. I just and their their quarterback transferred. Penix he transferred to Washington. Um, not good, crappy quarterback. Now I think Illinois gets it down the road. So that brings me to my money line parlay. Um, mm-hmm. I'm taking taking the Cards money line. Uh, it's at minus 185. If you just want them to take them to win, and Illinois plus 110. If you uh, parlay them together, it's plus 220. Um, so $100 would you 220 so you're getting back 320 And that, I think that's the biggest value of the week.
3: There you go. That sounds right. pretty good right there. Honey, get your <laughs> bank account prepared. <laughs> no, but that, that's great. I, I really do think the Louisville thing. I just, I've just i talked about this with a number of different people. Even people who I would presume is are not better. They, they say, why is the line what it is? Why, why, yeah. why did it open at two and a half? And why is it now at four? It doesn't make any sense considering the fact that the score has been 71 to three. I, I just, yeah, something I mean, doesn't, make, you the know, and there is that saying though, that Vegas, you know, knows what we don't know, which that always worries me, but I just, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about this on the show. I just, I just don't know uh, how there's any scenario where Louisville doesn't win this game by more than four points. It, I, yeah, you know,
5: it's 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 a it's a must win for for both coaches. Um, obviously, a Syracuse win, it, a Syracuse win gets you gets us closer to a bowl game, um, because I think the, the ACC is, is wide open this year. But you want these you want these wins like Syracuse to to get you closer to six, seven, eight wins. Um, losing that it, it it makes it tougher. So.
3: Absolutely. All right. Ian Pfeiffer, thank you so much for joining us uh, for the first edition of Fife's Picks. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, make sure you're following along with with him on Twitter. Ian, where where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, what, what's the what's the handle there if you want to share that? Yeah,
5: uh, FifeDaddy57. Make sure you give it a follow.
3: We'll catch up with Ian next week. Uh, we'll see how he did. I'm looking forward to uh, kind of following along with his picks here and seeing Uh, If we can kind of give him a grade next week and then diving into next week's edition of uh, Five's Picks. All right, fellas, let's look at Syracuse. Game one. um, This is a game that uh, is interesting because they have not, uh, Scott Satterfield being they and company, have not had an ACC opponent to open the season since they've gotten here. Dino Babers also has never opened the season with an ACC opponent. Interesting game. Syracuse last year, I think five and seven. Uh, Dino Babers has had one winning year, I believe in his tenure there at Syracuse. So uh, when you talk about coaches being on the hot seat, Dino Babers is the number one guy. His seat is flaming, in my opinion. And so this is an important game uh, uh, for both teams um, for Louisville. Like like was said in the, the wonderful video uh, that was uh, produced and and. Uh, Uh, sent out by the state of louisville twitter account i'm biased i don't know i thought it was a great video but (laughs) redemption season starts saturday for louisville football and it starts with a team that they have had the absolute number of the last two years 71 to 3 is the margin for louisville football i don't have this stat backed up by any facts but i would imagine there's not another team over the last two years that has had syracuse's number the way that louisville has 30 to 0 in 2020 last year they beat them 41 to 3 Louisville, Ian said in the podcast. There, it, it was. It's a game that the, the, the guys have just had fun. They've had fun since twenty eighteen. They've had fun, uh, and so there's a lot to get into with this game. Uh, but overall, Vince, let's just let's start here. A, a short rendition of Vince's game notes. You got thirty pages of notes, but give me the quick synopsis. Looking back to twenty uh, twenty one, quickly in a, a very 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 short sentence. Uh, or two. What was the difference for Louisville football versus Syracuse, and why the numbers have been what they've been?
4: Uh, what we've really done is just dominated on the run, dominated the run game, and hit them with big plays over the top via the play action pass. Brian Brown's done an excellent job of getting sending pressure, doing a lot of ETs and TEs, which would be sending the end first and wrapping the tackle behind that, or a TE sending the tackle wrapping the end around that. Uh, so. Brian Brown really schemed things up differently, and uh, it seemed like he brought Kendra Duncan into the box a little bit more of that game. Uh, like I said, we dominated the run game last year. Uh, Jalen Mitchell opened up with uh, two carries, 67 yards, and uh, Malik had five touchdowns in the first half. So we really played the perfect game across all three phases last year, and, uh, you know, that's really all I got for you on last season.
3: It, it remind, this game reminds me a lot of the Syracuse game in 2016. I think it was the second game of the year. Um, I forget who little opened the season with that year. Maybe it was Charlotte. I really can't remember Charlotte, what it was. Yeah. yeah. But if you remember the first play of the game, I think Lamar hit a play action. Uh, deep, deep ball to James Quick over the, the top of the, the defense for 60, 70 yards. Lamar, yep. Lamar obviously had the, the leap. I think the possession after that. They scored, I think, on a Brandon Radcliffe touchdown after that. I think they got up to 21-3, to or or, I don't remember what the exact number was, but they really just quickly were connecting and firing. For me, this this game, what I'm most interested in is how quickly Louisville starts because last year uh, against Ole Miss, if you want to talk about how they started, they started like poo-poo, like caca. They started horribly, okay? They were just as worse as you could imagine – that's what they were against Ole Miss. I think it was 24, 27 to three or to seven or something like that. I forget what the exact score was, but – Louisville it was just... physically outmatched yes. in that Ole Miss game. It's like, just – it's a game where Louisville's just got to come out and, and be firing on all cylinders. And so I just – Uh, That's what I'm really watching to start. And that's what they've done in years past. They did it last year. You talked about the the touchdown number from a leak. They did it the year prior. Uh, They did it even in 2019. I don't remember what the score of that game was. It was a little bit closer, but still Louisville has kind of just dominated Syracuse um, since that that dreaded 2018 year. Um, And so it's going to be interesting to see, but I want to start with uh, previewing Syracuse. What is, fellas, here's a quiz for you. But what's the name of Syracuse's football stadium? Do we know what it is?
4: Matt, you know, I call it the Carrier Dome.
3: It's funny because I've called it in my radio interview with
2: Syracuse the other day. I called it the not Carrier Dome. I mean, I know what it's called. It's called the JMA Wireless Dome. Like, it's not like I'd struggle to forget it. I know it's called the JMA Wireless Dome.
4: But, like, I'm going to call it the Carrier Dome. I'm sorry. What what did they they call it? Because the guys I was on with the other day, they just called it the Dome. The dome, they'll either the dome. call it the, the
2: dome or they'll slip up and call it the carrier dome because they called it that for what 30 40 years. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the, st-
3: it's the yeah, yeah. staple set. What do you It's, That's it, a, it's a staple the staple crypt, set, crypto.com, yeah. uh, staple or whatever it is. I don't know what the name <laughs> of the arena is, but yeah. yeah, I just had to get you on with that because I, I had completely yeah. forgotten. I, do you know what <laughs> JMI, what JMA Wireless specializes in? Do we are either one of Always? you up to speed I mean, on wireless. what they're? What do you think? They're a cell phone carrier, you, a you can go something.
4: get a bank. So you said,
3: yeah. A bank. Some,
4: some some form of crypto banking. No, they are an uh,
3: uh, uh, industry leader in 5G technology. Nerds. Ah, so does phones. <laughs> okay. Based out of Buff, uh, out of uh, not Buffalo, Syracuse, New York. So a bunch of a bunch of nerds
4: is what they are. You're right, Vince. I'm right there with. I you. I mean, like seriously, that Staples Center notification came on my phone, and it was like <laughs> one of those things where I looked at it, read it, said no, and put my phone down. <laughs> just, That's exactly no. like how I feel <laughs> about them changing it, changing their name. I just no, it's not. I don't care what you say, what legal document you sign. I'm not calling it that. All right, so let's just talk about this matchup for a little bit. It's interesting because there's
3: several different um, you know, kind of smaller matchups within the bigger matchup that you could point at as kind of key indicators of how this game is going to go. And I want to start with everybody is really just really praising this Syracuse defense as being the best that Dino's had. They bring back a number of guys who will probably be drafted next year, starting with Mikel Jones. Uh, you got a couple of different corners, one of which Deuce Chestnut was a – you know, primary target for Louisville for years. There's also another former Louisville football player in the secondary that they're excited about in yeah. Braylon Oliver. Uh, so the secondary versus Malik is going to be a really interesting concept or the, really the back end of the defense, I should say in the secondary. Uh, and I, the linebackers, you can, I feel like people sometimes will group them with both, right? They'll be like, Oh, the linebackers are the secondary or the linebackers in the defensive line for this. I'm going to consider the linebackers a, a part of the back end, just because we're going to isolate the defensive line here in a second. Uh, but those that's a, tough unit for Syracuse. Um, so how does Matt, I'll start with you. How do they match up for Louisville and what does Louisville really have to do to kind of get an edge against these guys?
2: Well, when it comes to just the, the passing game, you just have to establish some early quick throws because I mean, they've got a, a really damn good pair of cornerbacks and Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut. I mean, Garrett Williams, he had nine pass deflections last year. He didn't, he didn't log an interception. Whereas Deuce Chestnut, he had three of them and he was a true freshman. So that, that's an impact freshman if I've ever seen it. So I mean in Braylon Oliver, we heard nothing but good things while he was here at Louisville. So that, that secondary, um, I mean, and just that defense in general for Syracuse, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves because Syracuse is meh. Yeah. But like that, that defense is is really good, especially the the secondary and parts of their
3: linebacking core. Vince, describe to me what a three-three-five is. Okay, give me just a quick breakdown of what that defense is. Three down, um, men,
4: three linebackers, five DBs. Okay, so what
3: what is the what? It, <laughs> okay, what? there you go, audience. That's I the mean, defense. That's it. That's <laughs> it. What's the? What's I mean, the ten kind person.
4: Of- <laughs> you I'm
3: go trying for personnel's to, next. <laughs> I'm just trying to get a breakdown of what what is the advantage of that defense, right versus. A uh, 3 4 versus uh, I mean, four there's three.
4: disadvantages and advantages. I, obviously, you have more DBs on the field, so you know, you're ideally you'd be better in coverage, but it hurts you in the run game, you know, unless you have a DB, a safety kind of like Kendrick Duncan or a Kane Pass or some a thumper, somebody that's gonna, you know, willing to make a play. Uh, I mean, it has its pros and cons, just like any other defense that goes along with it.
3: Yeah, and one thing that I the reason why I asked that is kind of setting up what I found interesting listening to Debo but Dino Babers is the uh Bebo Babers Bebo, Bebo Babers. Thing. <laughs> oh man, no.
1: but Sorry, listen,
3: I had to point it out. Listen, listening to him talk about, in his opinion. Uh, the important thing from a defensive standpoint is, can you tackle? If you're the first guy with your hat on the ball, can you tackle? Can you bring them down? Um, and for Syracuse, the reason why I ask you that, Vince, is because of the fact that you have more defensive backs who tend to be smaller. And when you're talking about tackling, they're, they're, a lot of them are good tacklers. But at this level, a lot of them are not good tacklers. And we've had the, the uh, misfortune of seeing a lot of bad tacklers on our side the last several years And so for Syracuse, can they tackle Louisville? Can they tackle with the short passes? Can they get, you know, if Louisville is trying to complete short passes to, you know, whether it's Marshawn Ford or whether it's to the running back or it's, you know, something to the to the sideline with Malik to a D Wiggins or to a Tyler Hudson, can they make that first tackle? And in the run game with Tyon Evans, who is just a a horse of a man, can they bring him down on the first go round with undersized defensive linemen? And a, and a secondary that's playing more guys than what some of the defensive schemes across the country are playing. I just think that that's a really interesting kind of matchup thing to watch for that because if Syracuse can't tackle, Louisville's going to run up the score. Oh, run yeah. the score. And, and oh, yeah.
4: where, where else that hurts them is, you know, him focusing so much on their tackling and their you know, all that first man, the ball, is he going to be able to wrap, blah, blah, blah. Like, and this hurt them last year. The, the defensive backs eyes just are not in the right spot. And you catch them biting up on a lot of these play action plays or freezing up on maybe a double move or something like that, just because their eyes, their hips, they're just not in the right spot. And I, I think that's going to be the weak spot of Syracuse is that the DBs and their D line. Uh, and
2: um, Heath, real, real quick, Vince, just kind of building off of that real quick. I think that's one reason why Louisville's had so much success against Syracuse, because a lot of their passing game is based so much on the play action. And the yeah. defensive backs aren't disciplined enough to, to you
4: know, yeah, just point it out. And, it you know, I'm not trying to bash on Braylon Oliver by any means, but he has extremely stiff hips and something like a post corner toast. He's getting burnt on that all day just because he won't be able to flip his hips and enough time to make that play. He's a very good run stopper, but in a pedal, anything where he has to open, turn, and run, I wouldn't be that confident in him.
3: So I mentioned the undersized defensive line and it's been a, a talking point on Twitter, kind of a, kind of a funny, goofy, haha, that they've they're running out here with 240, 50, 60 pound defensive linemen. Who does well- that?
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I,
3: I had a joke that I was going to say earlier when we, when we had Ian on and we were talking about that, but I'm going to hold off on that because I don't think it's fair at this point, but um, they're, they're going up against a, uh, Offensive line for Louisville that is pretty large and can uh you know absolutely maul with some of the changes that they've had on the in the offseason and and just having more continuity. Nick Cardwell is gonna give them that aggression. They want to be physical, they want to finish blocks, they want to pancake the crap out of the defensive lineman in front of them. So defensive line being undersized, that means for me, Louisville's just gonna do whatever they want. That's that's what it boils down to for me. Louisville's just gonna be able to do whatever they want. Am I wrong for thinking that? Or is that a biased take? Just just to
2: give the listeners a little bit of context,
3: I've got their depth chart
2: pulled up, and this the heaviest person on their defensive line too deep is two hundred and seventy pounds. It's their starting D tackle Terry Lockett. Their starting defensive ends J- uh, Jadis Greer and Caleb O. I, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name. Gear is two thirty three. Caleb O is two sixty eight. Their backup D ends are.
4: 240 and 257 pounds that yeah. well yeah. damn this is what it feels like to go into every game out outsizing everybody
2: this yeah, feels, it good. feels good i enjoy if being on good, this yeah. side of the, ball. the roles have reversed and, here. and even even more context let me read uh read off the uh poundage for louisville's starting offensive line trevor reed 305 Caleb chandler 295 brian hudson 301 adonis boone 294 renato brown 311 most of the guys on the offensive line too deep are 300 pounds plus, or if not at like right at 300, pretty damn close to it. Like this is a complete mismatch. Maul. It's like playing a triple option team.
3: Maul. They're
4: going to be mauling every Louisville. single time. I guarantee yeah. it. Two to three that. yard push every time. And they're going to have fun. Like
3: they're going to be prancing like deer out there, getting to the next level. Well, that, because they're just going to be. said, Ian said yeah. it was fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's yep. what I just don't see a scenario where Louisville, unless Their defensive line comes out and backflips over our offensive line. I don't see a scenario in which they can't block them. I don't. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I want to, I want to throw this out. I found this interesting. Um, The one thing that Syracuse writers, media fans are surprised about is that they took their starting outside receiver and plugged him in at tight end. They run a a system where they're going to have an H back or a fullback. His name is Rhino. That's pretty freaking awesome. I think that's my favorite part about Syracuse. They have a guy who plays fullback who played offensive guard, Defensive line and tight end, and now he's a fullback. Like, is that not the just ultimate football guy right there? And his Sounds name is like freaking Rhino, him. man. you better have neck rolls. <laughs> he might, and he might give be a me, WWE Isaac all order. day.
4: By the way, update Isaac Martin does have a neck roll this season. So oh dude, <laughs> make oh, make it's over. Roll.
3: That's over. Touchdown machine, Isaac yep. Martin. But uh they're they're tight end, so you're talking about a guy who's going to be up on the line, responsible for chipping Yastir Abdul. He's an outside wide receiver by nature.
4: No chance, dude. No shot. We, we tried that out with a guy named uh, Jeff Banks. I mean, he was a really good wide receiver, junior college kid that uh, transferred in under Bobby. And we tried moving him to tight end because he had the frame for it. And I mean, the wide receivers just aren't made for that position. There's something that comes on, something that comes with having to block somebody and putting your hand in the dirt and just. There's something with it, and wide receivers a lot of times do not have that it.
2: Yeah. Tyon Evans might rush for 200 in
3: this
4: game. That's not a bold prediction, Matt.
3: All right, the next big matchup here that's worth mentioning, and this is where Louisville could theoretically struggle, okay? They theoretically, and that is the run game of Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader, who were obviously dynamic last year. I think Sean Tucker had 1,400 yards, 16 touchdowns, 14 touchdowns, something like that considered one of the best running backs in the entire country. Uh, but Garrett Schrader uh, is a runner. He's a big guy, but he's got a noodle arm. Okay. So uh, they're not throwing the football. And so this becomes whether or not, and we're going to get into this in a second. Can you win on the early portions of a drive as a defense? Can, can, you stop Sean Tucker on first down. Can you limit the impact of six yards, seven yards to start that drive and make it more like two and three and then force Garrett Schrader into being a quarterback on third down versus a runner? Uh, I just feel like Louisville's defensive line and then when you throw in Yassir Abdullah, I think that they're just going to be too much for Syracuse. They've rotated their guys. They were rotating guys up until this week which that's not the worst thing in the world, but if you're waiting until the week of to kind of set – not just two guys, three guys. They're set five guys this week, five guys that have played all five positions. Um, I just feel like Louisville is just going to be too locked and loaded from a defensive line standpoint here.
2: I I mean, Syracuse's run game is – prolific i mean Sean's it's their bread and to,
3: butter it's their it's, bread and I butter, butter,
2: obviously yeah tucker had 1496 i think it was six months in FPS, 12 touchdowns i mean schrader his 14 touchdowns was second in the acc to cunningham and he he nearly had 800 yards they both are really good runners so i with the game open up the season being uh, at home for Hughes, i think they are going to get some a little bit in the running game but if you can make syracuse one-dimensional which louisville has the last couple of years like just take away their ability to throw downfield passes. I don't think it matters all that much if you let them have like an, a moderate game in the run, because like we, I mean, I'm trying to put it as, as modestly as I can. What I saw out of Garrett Schrader as a pastor was bad. Yeah. That might've been the worst like quarterback in terms of ability to throw it as I've seen as I saw all year, maybe in the last, like, few years. And I get that Syracuse has a new offensive corner to kind of give a jolt to that passing game. But, I mean, there's a big
4: difference between Garrett Schrader and Brendan Armstrong. If you don't have the arm, you don't have the arm. If Peyton Manning, can, Peyton Manning and I can go out there and run the same offense right now, if he's going to throw a much better ball than I'll be throwing at the end of the day. Yeah, and, and, to be, and, and to be fair, this
2: Syracuse passing game might be decent because we saw a lot in the UVA uh, Louisville game last year that a lot of what Virginia was getting through the air was on these little quick 10, 15 yard throws, especially Jacob's favorite route, the slant, like they, they were really good about scheming up that short those short yards passes, which they might be able to do for Syracuse because, I mean, Garrett Schrader can't throw the ball downfield to save his life. But, I mean, if they can make him comfortable with some of these short and intermediate throws, maybe they can get something in the passing game. But if you can take that away, I don't think it really matters that much if you let Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader, like,
4: be moderately decent in the run game. Yeah, that, you got to just really get them to play that – Second, twelve, you know, third, third and 14 15 fourteen, uh, fifteen, dominate them in the dominate them in the run game up front, and I, I think we have the athletes on the outside to where you know Brian Brown can dial up something on third down, and uh, we won't see a rush three drop eight. We'll you know see pressure. Yeah, and, and and look, so
3: the coordinator comes in from Virginia. He's more, uh, and so does the quarterback coach, Jason Beck, comes in from Virginia. They're both Brocko Mendenhall guys, so they're still run heavy that's their philosophy. But, but still what, what you're going to have from a quarterback standpoint um, is you're going to have a scenario where there's so much pressure on Garrett Schrader uh, because on third down and, and third nine, Garrett's got to make a 10, 11, 13 yard throw. And that's not in his repertoire consistently. He had 46 yards passing last year. Okay. Like <sighs> I'm not saying I could go out and throw for 46 yards, but I'm not saying that I couldn't, uh, get close I don't know I mean if I had a good offensive line I mean I feel like maybe
4: you'd but shit yourself <laughs> you
3: so that. bad
1: oh, oh so,
3: gosh, gosh. so bad dude i so <laughs> bad but but what I was going to say is you put you put the offense in a scenario and you put this coordinator in a scenario where okay so if your offensive uh line can't block Louisville's defensive line you're talking about second and 12 it's hard to run a it's hard to run a run play on second and 12 especially if you're down 10 14 21 points like you have to start throwing much earlier and this kid clearly doesn't have it and i found it really interesting this week listening to a couple of the radio shows in town and i don't remember what show specifically it was on espn louisville that had the guest on but he was a syracuse writer beat beat guy um and he talked about his interest was in seeing who was the backup and it, I think his name is Carlos Del Rio. I think it's, it, it, I can't remember exactly what his name is, but he's a transfer from Florida. Um, and he's a guy that didn't play a ton last Carlos year, obviously Del Rio Wilson. There you go. I thought it was Wilson, but I thought I was going to also add in just an extra name there. Uh, but he, he backed up Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, who we talked about in the last segment with Ian, but he's now their backup and you know, I, just because you transfer from Florida doesn't mean you're great, but who knows how quickly they don't turn to him and without much film, maybe, I don't know who, who knows Louisville has been prone to it over, over the years, getting beat with a a sneaky play here or there. So who knows, but I just don't think it's a scenario where Louisville has any um, worries uh, overall and, and really just dominating. That's just that's just where I keep coming back to at the end of the day. Um, and so, big factors to win the game for Louisville. Louisville wins this game if they do a couple of things. It starts with protecting Malik. If they give Malik the time to throw, Malik is one of the best pocket passers in the country. He's been improving all off season. I think Malik can just absolutely dice them up. I'm talking about maybe a five touchdown, you know, total game for him where he throws three, runs for two, type of deal. Um, it I think the first half last year. That's right. That's right. And, and, and uh, I just think that he's going to dominate. Secondly, I said this a little bit ago, you win first and second down on both sides of the ball on offense. You get ahead of the sticks on defense. You put the offense on the wrong side of the sticks. If you can win, if you can get them into second and 12, second and 13, or even second and nine and then force them into a third and seven third and whatever beyond that. I think that Louisville is going to have a, a shot to, to win the game big. Uh, and then finally, this is the big one, guys. This is and and I, I say this seriously: no special teams mishaps. No, uh, who was the punter? Uh, and and uh, Logan. Um, oh Logan God! What was, Lepo. Yeah, Lepo. no Logan Lupo's here. We cannot, we cannot do that where we're dropping punts and doing basic things uh, because that'll get you beat in a game like this. So That's my big thing. Are there any things that I missed in terms of how Louisville wins this game? Is that is that pretty much kind no, of I'm tackle ahead. it? Louisville Louisville loses this game in my opinion if they can't tackle I I just when you have a a, uh, an ability to run the football and then over the years what we've seen is Louisville has struggled with uh, tackling is they are susceptible then to screen passes and to short dump down plays if you can't tackle I think that this game is far more competitive than it is and and that's a situation where maybe Syracuse does get close to that four points Uh, what do you guys think is there anything that Louisville? Is there anything that Syracuse can expose in Louisville to, to have you at least just maybe 0.1% kind of worried?
2: I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of say this considering I think all three of us think that Louisville can comfortably cover the four point spread, but Louisville's got to finish. I mean, they've spent all off season talking about how they've worked on all these end of practice drills, how they've uh, done a bunch of mental training and they've if they if they're in a position where they're looking like in the third quarter where they should comfortably win, don't coast. Keep your keep your foot on the neck okay. until that clock hits zero. Because we've seen some truly crazy things, cough cough Virginia last year, to where a team can somehow play their way back into a game because you just let that door open a little bit. I mean, if if Louisville is in the third quarter and they're trending towards a blowout. Keep at it. I mean, obviously pull the starters at, if it gets to like beyond control, but I mean, they need to have the mentality from start to finish that we need to go full steam ahead and not let up because that was their biggest bugaboo last year. They And they've got to start strong with this mentality.
3: I could not uh, put that any better, my friend. That was uh, word journalism job, at its finest, Matt. Can right you tell there. I've listened to a lot of press conferences this offseason? <laughs> I have. I have. Next year, we should debut a segment where we make Matt condense all of the coach speak of an offseason into a 30-second segment. I think that oh would be – sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into predictions for this game. Um, I think that we are all unanimous and that we believe that Louisville will win. But for the purposes of this game, let's do this, guys. We're going to do, and we're going to track this week to week. Okay. And each week we did this, I think last year, uh, but each week we'll do score a different vanity stat. So receiving touchdowns, things like that, uh, sacks, something. And then we're going to do this year. We'll debut our man of the match. Who is the uh, player of the game? Who do we think is going to have the biggest impact or the, the best stat line? Um, and so let's jump right into this, Matt. We'll start with you. I want all three in a row. I want your score of the game. I want your leading rusher for this purpose. And I want your man of the match.
2: I know earlier in the offseason when I did a piece like breaking down every single game and what I, th- what I thought each result was going to be, I originally said it was going to be 35 to 10 level, but giving it a little bit of second thought, I know it's going to be at home opener. There's going to both teams are going to be in a feeling out process. And, Everyone's yeah.
3: going to be so hyped to be in the JMA wireless dome. <laughs> They're going to be wearing their JMA wireless shirts and, and their JMA wireless signs.
4: I can't believe uh, Melo played in the JMA wireless. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But
2: anyways, I, I don't think it's gonna be 35-10. I'm gonna go 35-17. Louisville should still comfortably cover. Uh leading rusher, I mean, behind that beefy O line going up against that undersized D line. Tyle Evans is gonna have a field day against them. He he I think he'll run for a minimum of one fifty. And, okay. man and then match, your man of the match. I want to give it to I want to give it to Evans just because of what how much of what thing's gonna run for, but I think it's gonna be Cunningham.
3: All right, Vince, let's jump into you, my friend. What do you got from a score prediction
4: standpoint? We're going to start off the year hot with a 42-3 to three victory. Woo. I think the cards are just going to dominate Syracuse. I don't trust uh, Syracuse's quarterback trying to push the ball downfield. And uh, with history, if it's going to repeat itself, Louisville should dominate them in their run game, So We should –
2: we should overlap this audio with the audio of you giving your little only <laughs> you Just play him
3: at the Shut same up.
4: time. <laughs> Shut up!
3: <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, what do you got from a leading rusher standpoint, Vince?
4: Uh, Tyon Evans will be the leading rusher for the game. Okay, I mean and with then... uh, I'm going to go for sure 100 plus with at least two touchdowns.
3: Okay, and then finally, I'm going to assume that that would ma- does that make Tyon your man of the match?
4: Uh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would probably have to Malik would have to throw for like the I mean, in a insane NCAA 14 video game world Malik throw for 300 <laughs> rush for 100 and tie on runs for 100 plus. I mean, but yeah, I, I'm going to go tie on lock that in as my uh, man of the match. I like it. I like it. All right. I will conclude us here.
3: Uh, I'm going to go with forty 45- five to 27 for louisville and i think the majority of those points for syracuse will come in garbage time uh when the uh, starters have been taken out and louisville starts to get some of those young guys some reps i think the leading rusher of this game is going to be malik cunningham Uh, i think that um it's going to be maybe a 60 70 yard run mixed in there something that really kind of gets his numbers jumped off in the right spot and then i the moment Maybe. We saw it with Lamar against Syracuse, so maybe we could see the same thing. Malik hates the comparisons, but he keeps, you know, the stories just keep writing themselves. Like, it's just how it goes at this point. Uh, But I'm going to take Malik Cunningham with 150 plus. I think he breaks a big tackle and then the rest of the guys spread the ball out because you said, Scott Tatterfield said this week, all three, all four guys are going to probably get carries. Uh, I'm going to go to Jordan special teams touchdown as well. in this game, just going to throw that out there. Former team. uh, (laughs) That'd be a big one for him to run one back and maybe give us an Andrew Johnson against West Virginia, blowing kisses into the end zone moment. Uh, And then finally my man of the match, I'm going to just go ahead and give it to Malik Cunningham. Uh, I think Vince, you you nailed it, man. I think we're going to see some Heisman moments type moments here and whether or not they, um lead to any type of Heisman momentum. I don't know, but I just think that this game uh for Malik, we're gonna get into this on Friday night. I don't want to spoil it, but you if you've listened to the show, you heard the clip. We're gonna play the clip on the on air on Friday night. But Malik, it's a little bit personal for him because this dude from Syracuse just went out of his way to poke the bear. Uh and so I think Louisville's gonna run the that score moves. up. I don't understand it, but Louisville's gonna run the score up. Louisville's gonna uh, really own this one and then I think late Syracuse will throw a touchdown or two maybe with backup quarterback and whatever. All right, that's going to wrap us up here for our first game week episode previewing Syracuse. It has been a blast. Thank you to Ian Pfeiffer for joining us for Pfeiffer's Picks. Thank you to Vince and Matt for joining me tonight outside for the Outside Podcast. Matt, next time you're going to have to find a a balcony, somewhere to go that's outside. Sorry,
4: sorry, Matt. You're either outside next time or you're just not going to be out.
3: We'll we'll (laughs) kick you out. at least I don't have the mosquitoes eating me alive. (laughs) There you go. That's right. Uh, But if you are hearing our voices right now, you should also go ahead and program your calendar uh, to tune in on Friday night, Friday night this week. I believe, what is that? September 2nd is the date, 8 to 10 p.m. You can catch us on ESPN Radio 93.9 The Ville for two hours of from the pink seats podcast live during uh, live on air. Uh, We are excited to have a a great, great show there. We've got guests joining us. We're going to talk football. We're going to talk NIL. We're going to dive into a number of different topics during that show. It's going to be a blast subscribe to the show from the pink seats podcast. Follow us on Twitter at pink seats pod at Matt McGavick. Matt underscore McGavick at Vincent Lococo at Jacob Lane 08. It's game week, fellas. Want to know? That's what we're going to come back next week. Woo-hoo. We will catch you next week for this show. For the radio show, we will catch you Friday night. Until then, as always, go Cards!